And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is the great day before a great and fateful announcement. The announcement has been announced, but not its substance. President Trump is going to make a big announcement tomorrow. He's uh, promoting it with a very striking animated video showing him as a superhero. What will the announcement be? He has promised that it will be a blockbuster. We will cover that. There's also a couple of shock polls that are being promoted, one in the Wall Street Journal, one in USA Today, about how Americans feel about the upcoming election. What is shocking about them? We will get to that. We'll also get to the developments with the war in Ukraine. And uh, it turns out that there is a closer and closer relationship between Russia and Iran uh, and Russia's dependence on Iranian equipment. Is this good news for the Russians? or something else. We'll be speaking to Elizabeth Braw of American Enterprise Institute on that. And there's a general sense, and I woke up with this question today, Americans are basically so unhappy with the state of the country right now. I mean, you still have three quarters of Americans who think we're headed on the wrong track. And part of the reason, it seems to me, that we cannot get together at all, even with a new Congress coming in, on what direction we should go is because we can't even begin to agree on what exactly is wrong with the United States. Are we still reeling from a fake pandemic? Is there an attack uh, of, of prejudice against uh, conservative white Christians? Is it globalism? Is homelessness, is it the impact of social media? What's wrong with America? Uh, if you have some thoughts on that, you'll have a chance to call 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. And a big announcement, huge study uh, done by a number of the leading epidemi epidemiological experts in the country that shows that uh, how many people have gotten vaccines so far? 262,908,216 people, or 79% of the population, who have received at least one dose of the vaccines that, by the way, were uh, developed as an initiative of Donald J. Trump. Is it good news or bad news for the country that 79% of the We'll get to that. Also, a demand that the Constitution be altered and repaired immediately to guarantee that democracy really works. This coming from a strong supporter of President Trump, who is a leading, very prominent, charismatic uh, Mississippi pastor. We will get to that as well on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 uh, is our phone number. Uh, here is the way that uh, the new announcement was made about the forthcoming announcement by President Trump. Now, you have to see this to actually appreciate it. It's animated. It shows a picture of President Trump. He is ripping uh, open his suit jacket and his tie and to the red ties to the side. 
He's posed in front of Trump Tower, and he's revealing beneath his suit a, uh, a, a rippling muscular chest a la a superhero. And out of his eyes, there are glowing beams that come down in either direction, as if they are X-ray eyes or superhero eyes. And here's what the major announcement or the preparation for the major announcement sounded like. Listen. America needs a superhero. And the, uh, that comes along with a text that says a major announcement coming tomorrow. Uh, nobody knows entirely what that major announcement will be. There is, however, an announcement on polls that uh, have actually talked a lot about the Trump campaign. And the news, <laughs> news is not great for the former president. Uh, there is, for instance, a uh, new Wall Street Journal poll that shows that in a head-to-head -head match, the... Um, the DeSantis gets 52%, Trump 38%, and uh, undecided 9%. It also shows that uh, uh, DeSantis is, has a favorable rating of 43%, Trump of 36%. Now, this is limited because it's a poll that emphasizes it's a head-to-head -head matchup. And... And Trump didn't do particularly well with head-to-head -head matchups either last time. What happened for him, the reason he won the nomination in 2016, is because it was never head-to-head. -head. It was always Trump versus a crowd of uh, people who seemed to be more establishment insiders. But then there is also a Suffolk University poll from USA Today. And uh, this... Uh, this says that, uh, look, in a head-to-head -head match, which Trump avoided in 2016, Biden leads Trump 47 to 40. And uh, against DeSantis, uh, Biden uh, loses to DeSantis 47 to 43. So the indication being that right now, uh, Republicans who want to win, which I hope is every single Republican, should be looking very seriously at Ron DeSantis. Uh, Trump's favorable rating is 30% nationwide, unfavorable, 62%. And this has only gone down since Trump announced his campaign. Among all voters, 69% uh, don't want Trump to run. How many don't want Biden to run? 67%. This is why if there was one Christmas gift, uh, one Hanukkah gift with Hanukkah right around the corner, that uh, Americans could actually receive and celebrate, it would be both of these elderly gentlemen stepping aside. Among uh, Republican and conservative independents, 65% say they want DeSantis to run. 47% uh, want Trump to run. In July, 60% wanted Trump to run. That has gone down very sharply. Uh, Trump is such a known quantity, uh, writes Dan McLaughlin over at National Review, that it's hard for him to persuade new voters. If more of the polls in the coming months look like this, the Trump 2024 campaign will swiftly acquire, and Dan McLaughlin writes, the reek of staleness and failure. And uh, that 
that leaves things open for the Republicans with their new majority, very narrow majority. By the way, part of their majority was confirmed uh, by the victory of Lauren Boebert of Colorado, where they had a recount because the race was so exceptionally close. It was down to two-tenths of one percent difference between Adam Frisch, the Democratic nominee, and Lauren Boebert, the Republican. Well, Lauren Boebert, the uh, gun-toting Republican from Colorado, won her race, so the Republicans will have their majority. It's a majority of five seats. And uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is the uh, incoming speaker, presumably, has actually received some unexpected assistance. Uh, in other words, right now, there are a number of members of Congress, including Ralph Norman, who's a very conservative Republican, pro-Trump Republican from South Carolina, who is saying they will never vote for Kevin McCarthy as speaker. So what's remarkable right now is just in the last 24 hours, there have been a series of phone calls made to help McCarthy secure the speakership. Uh, we will tell you about that. We will also be talking about the uh, new relationship between Iran and Russia. What does that mean for the United States or for the future of the war in Ukraine? We'll be getting to that and more on The Medved Show. America needs a superhero. Michael Medved. Medved show America needs a superhero actually America needs ordinary everyday heroes who participate and are constructive and maybe can help bring this nation together more than politicians celebrities but who knows what's exactly wrong with this country right now what went wrong with this country at some point uh, probably if you look back uh, after the very beginning of the Obama administration, there was a surge of good feeling when Obama was first elected, but that collapsed very quickly. Remember how unbelievably controversial the Obamacare legislation was, and a majority of Americans didn't want it there, and it got there anyway. But what what went wrong with this country, and at what point did it go wrong? Or are we just moving along happily and steadily uh, with Steve Bannon, by the way, offering um, the idea on his uh, website at the War Room, his podcast. He says that uh, I'm calling on 4,000 shock troops to deconstruct the federal government brick by brick. Really? This is a conservative position? This is fresh from his double conviction uh, yesterday of two contempt of Congress accusations for not cooperating and answering any questions about January 6th. He uh, says he wants to see people stepping forward to say, hey, I want to be one of those 4,000 shock troops. This is shock troops? Uh, meaning what exactly? Well, he doesn't say. 
He says, um, and you'll pardon the language, he says, suck on it. We are destroying this illegitimate regime. Uh, you could say that Biden administration has been doing its own job in undermining itself without Steve Bannon's help. But uh, he uh, vowed last year to go medieval on his enemies. I don't know exactly what medieval shock troops look like by uh, Steve Bannon, but maybe you have a, a better idea. I mentioned before that some uh, uh, members of Congress were getting some surprising phone calls on behalf of Kevin McCarthy because increasingly it's obvious that it would be a disaster for Republicans. It would be very bad for the country. It would be terrible for the institution of the House if enough Republicans, and that means five, decide, no, I can't vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker. I would rather throw this open to chaos, especially at a time when they, there have to be basic approvals for uh, key funding bills or we'll have another government shutdown and maybe even a government default and it it would not be a good thing. There are things that Congress has, has to do besides investigating cryptocurrency. And with that in mind, a guy named Donald J. Trump took some time away from his preparation for this epic announcement that is due tomorrow to call at least two members of Congress and say, hey, you guys, get it straight, vote to put Kevin McCarthy in as speaker. Now, Trump does not feel that way about Mitch McConnell over on the Senate side. Uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't need Trump's support. He has support, uh, virtually unanimous support from his fellow senators. But uh, Ralph Norman uh, of uh, phone calls from uh, Trump and uh, that basically they were phone calls asking them to vote for Kevin McCarthy to install him as speaker, which, by the way, shows at least some concern about the status of the Republican Party, which has been a real problem with President Trump, as the developments in the midterm elections made very clear. Meanwhile, problems with President Biden. He uh, ran a victory lap yesterday concerning the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which protects uh, both uh, same-sex marriages and protects interracial marriages. Now, neither one needed any protection legally because they both are the law of the land. And President Biden completely misstated some of the history here. Now, it is true, he was one of the first Democrats to come out openly and to favor a redefinition of marriage saying that uh, people of the same sex, same gender, ought to have the right to marry one another, just like people of the opposite gender. But uh, this is what he sounded like yesterday, uh, celebrating the passage on a bipartisan basis of the new Respect for Marriage Act. Clip 1.5. Today's a good day. A day America takes a vital step toward equality toward liberty and justice, not just for some, but for everyone, everyone, toward creating a nation where decency, dignity, and love are recognized, honored, and protected. Today, I sign the Respect for Marriage Act into law. 
Deciding whether to marry, who to marry, is one of the most profound decisions a person can make. And as I've said before, and some of you might remember, on a certain TV show 10 years ago, I got in trouble. <laughs> marriage, I mean this to involve my heart, marriage is a simple proposition. Who do you love? And will you be loyal to that person you love? It's not more complicated than that. And the law recognizes that everyone should have the right to answer those questions for themselves without the government interference. Okay, the idea with without the government interference, what this is all about is government interference. It's about what the government will recognize as marriage. No one has ever suggested a law saying that cohabitation, that people should not be allowed to live together. This is a question of the kind of relationship that the government gets entangled with on issues like child support, uh, on issues like divorce, which unfortunately does happen. But the idea that this is an entirely private thing and it's only Joe Biden and passage of this law, which is going to protect interracial marriages or same-sex marriages, it's nonsense. And this is worse nonsense. This is pernicious nonsense. Listen to what Biden said about the threat that he perceives to gay marriage. Listen, clip nine. Dobbs decision. The court's extreme conservative majority overturned Roe v. Wade on the right to choose. In his concurring opinion, Justice Thomas went either, even further, and he wrote the following quote, We should reconsider all the court's substantive due process presidents, including Griswold, Lawrence, Obergefell. That means he thinks we should reconsider whether you got the right to access to, to, to contraception. And yes, we should reconsider whether you have the right to marry who you love. And that's not only the challenge ahead. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong. Okay, first of all, who's getting thrown out of restaurants for being gay? in the afternoon or any other time. Secondly, Justice Thomas did not say that gay marriage should be banned. And he did not say that at all. What he was talking about was the precedent of substantive due process, the basis on which the Supreme Court made its faith. Michael Medved show uh, broadcasting from Honolulu, Hawaii at the moment, and uh, God will, and with God's help, home tomorrow. And uh, very, very eager, actually, to uh, to get home, uh, despite the fact that it's wonderful to be having this trip with my wonderful wife. Uh, Elizabeth Braw is also a wonderful guest. She's been frequently on this show. She is a senior fellow of the American Enterprise Institute, where she focuses on defense against emerging national security challenges. And one of those challenges was highlighted by her this week in the Wall Street Journal, where uh, there have been increasing deliveries of Iranian arms to Russia. Uh, for its struggle in uh, a war that it appears by all measures to be losing. Uh, to talk about what exactly is going on, it is a pleasure to welcome back 
Elizabeth Braw, she is the author of The Defender's Dilemma, Identifying and Deterring Gray Zone Aggression. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, first of all, you would normally think that getting new weapons, regardless of where they come from, is good news. Why is it bad news for the Russians to be getting these boatloads and boatloads and boatloads of uh, equipment and materiel from Iran? You're right, Michael. Ordinarily, when you when any country uh, in a war gets weapons, you would think that's a, that's a, a good thing. The problem for Russia is that it never expected to need these weapons. It expected to uh, to invade Ukraine and to defeat the Ukrainians within a few days, install a puppet regime, and then go home. And that's the sort of uh, um, operation that it planned uh, its logistics for. So it didn't plan to need uh, a huge supplies of additional weaponry because it was going to be a quick war, right? I mean, it's still not called the war. It's called the special military operation. But uh, it has uh, the war, as we all know, is, is still being waged. There's nowhere close to being uh, won by either side. And so the Russians are running short on, on military equipment. They desperately need more, and they don't have the... the, the manufacturing capability to to quickly produce more so they have to turn to the few remaining friends they have and those friends include iran okay why does it make sense for iran which has enormous problems of their own i mean we're recently getting stories from iran of how they've been executing people participating in these anti-regime demonstrations and then leaving the bodies hanging up in in public to to frighten people this is clearly a regime with its own challenges. Why does it make sense for Iran to send weapons to Russia? Well, Iran is uh, is becoming, it was already uh, a shunned country under this regime and is becoming even more so thanks to the, uh, or as a result of the the, the, the horrible treatment of the protest as they just described. And so it's a country with almost no friends in this world. And uh, if you are a country with almost no friends in this world, you have to sort of uh, uh, stick together with, with the ones you do have. So Iran is not in a position to give up a lot of its, its um uh, weaponry, uh, uh, including what it, it's currently producing because it needs weaponry itself, but it's trying to help Russia simply because it just doesn't have very many allies, and it is useful to be to be friends with Russia, which we should remember is a country uh, with a seat uh, in the uh, permanent seat in the UN, UN Security Council. So uh, it's it's uh, Iran is not being uh, doing it out of out of compassion or or uh, being a good Samaritan. It's simply uh, uh, it's simply um, uh, a, a clever move for a country. Country that, that has almost no international support anymore. There were some figures released today that just seemed to me almost inconceivable, and I wanted to get your read on them. I believe the ultimate source, because it's in the British press, was the British Ministry of Defense. They say there have now been 94,760 Russians who have been killed in action. Uh, that's uh, Russian military, and 284,280 wounded, and a thousand captured. It, does that does that sound credible to you? A, a total of uh, close to 400,000 people who have either been severely wounded or killed or captured uh, in this misbegotten Russian adventure. Is it is it possible it could be that bad? 
Yes, it is. If you read it in the press, it's true. No, uh, it, it, the British press was quoting figures from the UK Ministry of Defence, and, and the UK Ministry of Defence has been exemplary in providing intelligence, in providing daily updates about this war, so that we, uh, the, the global public, uh, have an understanding of what's going on. Because without uh, um, an authoritative source, uh, I think we'd all be speculating. But credit to the UK Ministry of Defence for, for putting out those daily updates. And it, it, it is a brutal war. The problem, though, Michael, is that the Russians seem to have a very high threshold for pain. And, and uh, people keep referring back to World War II when, when, the, when the Soviets lost um, close to around 20 million people. I don't think we'll see 20 million people being killed uh, in this, as a result of this war. But the problem is that, that uh, uh, the, the Russian soldiers being drafted or serving in this war, both as, as draftees and as professional soldiers, they, they are not the, the most influential young men in Russia. They are drafted in from the provinces. They come from from uh, the, the, the Central Asian parts of the country and so forth. They, they are just... Uh, they are cannon fodder, and their parents are not in a position to, to stage powerful protests. As it was in the Vietnam War in the United States, uh, well-connected young men get out of this war. They don't serve in it. Uh, they don't serve as professional soldiers, and they certainly uh, are not going to let themselves be drafted. And, and so we'll see more of the same, I'm afraid, until the number is so great that, that the mothers, uh, I think, and I think it will, it, it will be the soldiers' mothers until they stage, uh, start staging massive protests, because there will be many, many of them who have lost their sons. Boris Johnson, the uh, former British Prime Minister, writes, I don't care how often I have to say it, the war in Ukraine can defeat Russian forces, uh, must be pushed back to the de facto boundary of February 24th. There is no way for Vladimir Zelensky or the Ukrainian people uh, could conceivably accept uh, another outcome, not after the savagery they have endured. And he concludes... This thing is only going one way. For the sake of the world, let uh, those brave Ukrainians finish the job, and the quicker, the better. Is he right that there is only one ultimate outcome of this war, and it is Putin's defeat? The West will keep supporting uh, Ukraine un until it wins. The, the, the question, though, uh, uh, Michael, is whether... Um, the West will support Ukraine until it managed, manages to retake Crimea as well, which is what Zelensky has said Ukraine wants to do, or whether the West says uh, we'll support you until you retake the territory uh, taken by the Russians since the 24th of February. These are two different things, and the West uh, is uniformly behind uh, Ukraine uh, until it gets everything back they had on the 24th of February this year. Uh, but the Ukrainians not, uh, now having tasted a, a bit of, of victory and seeing that, that they do have a chance of pushing back the Russians, uh, are uh, pushing uh, or hoping for uh, to get uh, Crimea back as well. And I think that's where there will be some very painful conversations taking place in the future between uh, the government of Ukraine and the government of the Western countries that support it, um, because you, 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 you can't you can't sort of split that that uh, equation. It's either with Crimea or without Crimea.
This uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, Bra, it is wonderful to speak to you, and I hope we have further good news. It's also a relief that uh, uh, that actually, and this is the point of your piece, which is linked at our website at michaelmedved.com, the fact that there are all of these weapons being delivered to Russia by Iran is not a sign of health or success for either uh, regime. Uh, Elizabeth Brawl, the American Enterprise Institute, happy holiday season, and may we all be enjoying more peaceful and encouraging news. Maybe a taste of that coming up on the Med... Your outlet for outrage. I'm not going to take this anymore. The Michael Med... coming down. I'm watching it fall. Watching the Michael Medved show. One of the things that uh, we have altogether too much of in this country is paranoia and the assumption that the other side, whether that's conservative justices of the Supreme Court, if you happen to be a liberal and you look at the other side, well, oh my goodness, Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, they're all so scary and terrible. And then, of course, there are conservatives who look at absolutely everything the President of the United States and his cabinet and his supporters in Congress do. And you think, my God, are they really trying to disassemble this country brick by brick? Which is something that uh, Steve Bannon actually suggested is necessary for 4,000 shock troops. I don't know where he got the number 4,000, but this is the kind of talk that Bannon was using right before January 6th. And that really did not work out <laughs> tremendously well. But the President of the United States should not be promoting paranoia. It is simply not true that the victory that the President celebrated yesterday, the victory on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, was necessary to protect people from uh, assaults on their marriages, whether they are interracial marriages, which have been established to, uh, to be a constitutional right since 1967, or whether they were same-sex marriages, which are now legal in every single state. And here is what, what President Biden said that is so profoundly irresponsible and so completely untrue. Uh, listen carefully to the President of the United States. This is clip nine. Dobbs' decision. The court's extreme conservative majority overturned Roe v. Wade on the right to choose. In his concurring opinion, Justice Thomas went either, even further, and he wrote the following quote. We should reconsider all the court's substantive due process presidents, including Griswold, Lawrence, Obergefell. That means he thinks we should reconsider whether you've got the right to access to, to, to contraception. And yes, we should reconsider whether you have the right to marry who you love. And that's not only the challenge ahead. When a person can be married in the morning, and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong. Wrong. Okay, one of the, the things that is so untrue about that is that it, it distorts the language 
that Clarence Thomas actually used in his concurring de decision. Now, first of all, a concurring decision is not law. It, the law is declared in the majority decision. And the majority decision, with its six votes in Dobbs, was not written by Clarence Thomas. It was written by Samuel Alito. And he specifically made clear that he didn't feel that the overturning of Roe had any further impact in prior decisions about marriage or reproduction or anything else. And here's what uh, Thomas said. He said he agreed that nothing in the Roe-related ruling quote, should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. In future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell, because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous. We have a duty to correct the error established in these precedents. And he's not talking about overruling the precedents. He's talking about the basis for them, which was substantive due process. Now, let me explain for just a moment. And this is I'm not getting too law schooly or too much in the deep weeds. But part of the basis for Roe and part of the basis for these other decisions was not that there is a fundamental human right or that we believe that uh, it, it is an invasion of privacy for the uh, for the government to ban contraceptives. It, it, the basis for the decisions was a violation of the 14th Amendment, which guarantees to every American due process of the law. The history of the 14th Amendment was not to establish a general right of privacy or to establish new rights. It was to make sure the rights already in the Constitution and already recognized for white Americans were extended to Americans of every race, every origin. And it came along with the idea of equal protection of the law. And the uh, 14th Amendment, which was passed right after the Civil War, it was passed in 1867, uh, that that amendment it, it is it's such a stretch to relate it to anything like gay marriage or uh, or, or the, the right to contraception, which was established by the Griswold case in 1965. What all of this does for the president is to set up a completely fallacious straw man to suggest that uh, you need me, everyone needs me. Uh, because otherwise the big bad evil Supreme Court, despite the fact that, Claire, uh, that Samuel Alito said in his decision in the Dobbs case that it would not be extended to other issues, to say that we need now to protect gay marriage because of that one mention in passing from the concurring, not the majority opinion, the concurring uh, decision by uh, opinion because he didn't make the decision. He offered an opinion by Clarence Thomas. Now, do I wish that Clarence Thomas hadn't gone there at all and expressed his opinion uh, substantive due process precedents that uh, he wants to correct and improve and to have the rights that he was talking about on a firmer basis? Uh, I, I wish he hadn't gone there because it gives people on the other side the opportunity to 
basically exaggerate dangers that don't exist. Uh, one of the dangers that does not exist is the d danger of changing the way that we elect senators uh, to the United States Senate. There's one very frustrated uh, partisan who is a, a member of clergy who says there is a, an absolute emergency with changing the Constitution and changing the way that we elect our United States Senators. We will go to that issue coming up. We will also get to Kevin McCarthy talking about uh, if he does become Speaker, the, uh, the need for change in order to uh, allow the Congress to do what it needs to do to authorize spending bills and to prevent the government from shutting down. Oh, and yes, there was today a um, a, a very interesting uh, opinion that was offered by a struggling Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, the White House press spokesman. Uh, listen to uh, her unusual construction and handling and graceful handling of words. This is clip five. In a bicarmel, in a bipartisan uh, way, it was done in a bipartisan, bicarmel way. Bicarmel, bipartisan support. Okay, she's talking about bicarmel, which sounds like two kinds of a flavor. Uh, what she means, of course, is bicameral. And uh, the idea of a bicameral legislature is something that is established in the Constitution of the United States. We have a Senate and we have a House. And the House is elected directly by the people. It always has been. But the Senate in the first uh, um, uh, years of the Republic, and, and when they say the first years, up until 1913. In 1913, they provided for direct election of U.S. Senators, so that you have a situation that even though uh, in the recent runoff in Georgia, if you look at the counties, uh, there was Raphael Warnock carried very few counties. Most of the counties in Georgia were count, uh, carried by Herschel Walker. But guess what? You don't count votes by county. You count them by individual voters. Every individual voter counts, just as it does for the House of Representatives. Why is that? It's because they went through a constitutional amendment in 1913. It was signed by President Taft just before it was actually approved because it does, a, a, a constitutional amendment doesn't get signed. It gets approved by three quarters of the states and it was approved by three quarters of the states uh, because clearly there were too many problems involved with allowing state legislatures, e even if uh, they did not get the most votes, to choose a uh, candidate for the Senate. So what do we do about it? We will get to that pressing issue. It's not particularly threatening. And uh, more uh, coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Sign up today for the free Medved newsletter with new columns, commentaries, and movie reviews. Go to michaelmedved.com.